everybody, Randy here. Before we get into today's episode, I want to thank one of our sponsors, and that is Precision Pro. No Laying Up is brought to you by Precision Pro Golf. Everyone here at No Laying Up trusts Precision Pro Golf Rangefinders to help us know the distance to our target and pick the right club. Whether we're playing down at Jack's Beach, or somewhere up in Michigan on Tour of Sauce, Precision Pro helps us swing with confidence. And this holiday season, Precision Pro will help you buy with confidence. Right now, the best-selling NX9 Slope is on sale for $30 off. What's the big deal, you might ask? Everything's on sale for the holidays. Well, Precision Pro rangefinders come with industry's best protection plan and customer service, including 90-day money-back guarantee, two-year warranty, 30% trade-in discount on future products, in-house customer support, shout out Eric and Jack, huge golfers themselves, free lifetime battery replacement services, and access to Precision Pro Golf game tracking app to help you measure improvement. With Precision Pro, you aren't just buying a rangefinder, you're joining a team with lifetime services and support. So join Team Pro this holiday season and add the NX9 slope to your golf bag for $30 off. Ask for Precision Pro at your local Dick Sporting Good or Golf Galaxy or go to precisionprogolf.com. Again, precisionprogolf.com. You'll never second guess your distance and you'll never second guess adding Precision Pro to your golf bag. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. We are going off the board a little bit. Uh, that's what the Trap Draw does best. There will be no golf in this episode. Instead, it is, uh, it's almost Thanksgiving. It's mid-November, which means it's one of my favorite times of the year. College basketball season has started. And so I want to welcome in a friend, somebody we've gotten to know over the last uh, 12, 18 months, and that is Brendan Quinn. He is a senior writer for The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at BF Quinn, Q-U-I-N-N. Obviously, you can find his stuff at The Athletic. It's a wonderful subscription. I've been a a happy subscriber now for, oh gosh, a few years at least. And he's also uh, in the, yeah, yeah. (laughs) uh, He's also uh, in the athletics podcast world. He co-hosts The Beat with Nick Baumgartner, and so be sure to check that out. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. I love chopping it up about college basketball. How are you today? This is a big day, Randy. I got to tell you, like, I have a, I have my own podcast that nobody listens to, and now this is like – this feels like the bigs, man. Uh, well, I can't believe a, it. And finally – we are hitting that cross section of golf and college basketball fans, which is probably the niche of the niche, maybe. But, yeah, I mean anything <laughs> like any subcategory from golf, I feel like you're automatically super niche. So, uh, and I failed to mention you're, you you specialize in both golf and college basketball. So um, that's 
you know. Yeah, but so, I actually I actually know a little bit about college basketball. I still don't know dick about golf, but well, I just made that up. <laughs> Brandon, I get. I haven't haven't been doing this for several years now. Uh, I, I could say the exact same over here. Um, so let's uh, let's start here with the with the college season. What are you most excited for this season? What are some of the biggest storylines that that get you uh, that get you revved up? Yeah. Uh, look, everyone's gonna only talk. Everyone's gonna talk about K, right? And the 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 goodbye tour, the parades, uh, the laurels, which is just gonna. gonna it's already insufferable. It's already. It's already, it's already there. Um, Wait till uh, we get to conference play. <laughs> I think. By year's end, the biggest thing that we're all most excited for that is going to be the biggest talking point. And the thing that like we realize we miss the most will be when the NCAA tournament is played and played properly. Like so we lost it in 2020. That was like PTSD inducing. Just like I know. No one was ready for that. Like that was just the worst. I know we lost the Masters. I know we lost that. But, like, people who love college basketball, it all happened so abruptly. It was just – I still can't even wrap my head around it. And then last year just sucked. And, like, all the credit in the world, right, that they got it done, that they played that tournament. And it was all in Indiana and in these kind of quasi-empty gyms, arenas, stadiums. But it just wasn't the same. Remember it had, like, that weird Friday start? Like, it didn't start on Thursday. That's right. Remember that? Like, this year – it's back to Thursday. It'll be noon on Thursday, and they'll be tipping off in whatever the hell city the first game is in, you know, Wichita or something. Yes. And it'll be a full gym. And I think, like, at that moment, everyone will kind of – anyone that, like us that just lives in this thing will just feel all the feels, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. It's such a – it's just such a marker for spring, you know, that that stretch with March Madness and especially the opening weekend is just the best into opening day into the Masters. It, it's just like, man, life, life is good in that, you know, kind of three week stretch there. So super excited for that. Um, yeah, good call. The Coach K farewell tour. I think one of the things I'm really curious about, of course, Gonzaga came so close last year. Are you, you a know, Zags they, guy, Randy? Well, I, I am. I am. And you know what? I am a Zags guy from the late 90s. Uh, mm. I, I always I always root for those mid-majors. And, of course, they started out as a true mid-major. I mean, I can remember, who was it? Matt Santangelo, Richie Fran. Sure. Yeah, those teams. Uh, and so I've, you know, obviously Gonzaga is a major college basketball program now, but they they do hold a soft spot in my heart, and I would like to see they they deserve a title. I, I think it would be great for them to win a national title. Yeah, and I, especially with all the talk about football realignment and this notion that like eventually the football schools are just going to try to break away and do their own thing. We need as many basketball schools in the final fours and like winning national champion, like Villanova, Gonzaga, whatever it might be, those yeah. teams winning national championships. Cause as long as they're winning national championships, you can't do it. You can't break away. And now you're just basically creating like, okay, well now you're just scared of these other schools and you're just clearly a money grab. You know, it's, if it's right. all football schools in the final four, then you, they can make that case. But like, if they break away from the NCAA tournament, it would just be, I, I, I mean, a nightmare 
what people don't realize that's the golden calf of the NCAA. You know, it's not football. The the Bulls, the 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 tournament is all really owned and operated outside the NCAA. It is it is yeah. the the men's basketball tournament, which is the huge huge money maker. And yeah, if, if you had some of the big name Power Five schools leave the NCAA and all of a sudden aren't playing in that, it's it's just um, things would spiral quickly. I'm I'm afraid. So I, I do think so there's shake eggs. I know. I do think there's shakeup that's on the way, uh, at least on the football side. I don't know what it's going to look like, but yeah, we'll see. Go Zags. You know, good on the Big East. Bunch of basketball schools in the in the Big East now. Uh, mm-hmm. Atlantic 10. Yeah, there, there are a number of conferences that I really, really enjoy for kind of the, the basketball only aspect of it. Um, well, let's get into it. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Let's Let's start right here. Uh, a lot of, you know, some college basketball, it's not only new new faces with the players each year, lots of moves on the coaching carousel. Let's let's get into some, in some cases, some old faces in new places, some new mm-hmm. faces in old places, um, at least among the marquee programs. What fit do you like the most? Who, who are you most excited to see uh, in a new job this season? I wrote the season preview for Marquette. And apparently lit a fire under Tron's ass. And well, he's the upset of the century. I know. He's all in on Marquette and lo and behold, they go and, and beat Kofi-less India, uh, Illinois last night. But I do – Shaka at Marquette works for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think him at a basketball school in a basketball league back in the Midwest. He's from Wisconsin. Um, it just – it just checks every box, and like I feel like the kids that that he gets and that he can gravitate toward in recruiting are the ones that play that play a style that'll win in the Big East, you know, and can bring that program back. And like that's like a good example of that Gonzaga thing, Gonzaga Villanova. Like Marquette should be a kick-ass basketball yeah. program, and I do feel like Shaka puts brings the juice. You know, you saw him last night. You know, recording Tuesday, that game on Monday night was it was a mess, but it was great. It was so entertaining, and he's like in a defensive stance, shuffling down the sideline, and I'm like, that's what you know Marquette should be. That's awesome. Um, you know, that's the program of like Al McGuire. It should have like a coach who brings something beyond like Wojo being Wojo. You know, so I love that fit. I think he's gonna, you know, this year if they get the NCAA tournament, that's a win. But I think like. Three four years from now, I buy that stock in Shaka. Yeah. There, um, it it seems like he he needs to be at a place where they can truly have a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like at Texas, Texas is more the hunted. You know, they're they're the biggest school in the state. That everybody wants to beat them. Where I feel like you know Marquette, he can be in that sweet spot where it can kind of be an us against the world. He can, he can get some maybe overlooked recruits in there. Uh, I, I agree with you. I love that fit. And obviously Tron does too. <laughs> Tron does too. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to press him on, you know, how many Marquette games he actually gets to this year. Uh, no, I was waiting it. for some, I was waiting for some texts last night to be like, this is validated. Everything I said, I'm pretty sure he was doing God knows what, probably not watching that game, but, uh, another fit. I like, it's kind of like a similar theme in a way, but I, I like Wes Miller. At Cincinnati, mm. I think that works. Um, he was a guy who was, you know, at Greensboro. The way he was winning, 
He was on the track for a high major job. And Cincinnati is definitely a high major job, but it's just not in a high major league. But now they're going to the Big 12. And like that seems I like that action of, you know, him being the guy that's going to transition the program to the next league. Um, he can recruit the hell out of, you know, both that ACC country. And he, I, I think he's built a staff that can hit the Midwest decently. So he's going to get guys um, and he's going to play like a style of ball. I think that fits that program. So yeah, I mean, yeah you're the, you would know you, you, you tell me how, how are you feeling on West Miller? Uh, I, I like it. I, I like the hire. What happened with John Brannon was just Jesus. weird all the way around. <laughs> that was not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to your point, I obviously great success. Um, you know, they have a, a renovated arena at, at Fifth Third Arena there at UC. It, it's a program that's kind of starved to be amongst the, the top 20 year in and year out. I think that's mm -hmm. what a lot of UC fans would expect. Uh, they're obviously on an upswing with football, and I think just their whole athletic department, you know, with the move to the Big 12, I think people are really excited, uh, which I hate. I hate UC, uh, but I do have to give them credit. They're, Wait, they're, what's your school? Miami of Ohio. Well, I mean, let's... Which isn't really... <laughs> I we, I will say that UC comes to Oxford on December 1st, and I will, wow. I'm planning to fly back to be there in person. So excited for that one. But no, you, you, know, you grow up as a Miami fan. I, like the Xavier UC game, everybody like, well, who are you root for? I'm like, ah, I kind of hope both teams lose, you know? Right. Uh, gotcha. That was my question. I didn't know who you're. <laughs> so Miami was the, uh, yeah. the surprise answer, but yeah. that makes sense. Uh, I think that whole scene that like that Ohio basketball scene is way underrated. Oh overall. yeah. Overall, overall, like people, people who've never seen a game at Dayton have no idea what Dayton is. You know, and it's all the way down. I know Cle Cleveland's a good basketball city, but when you get when you hit Columbus, which is a fantastic high school basketball city, obviously Ohio State there, and then Southwest Ohio with Xavier, Dayton, UC, you know Miami, um, Louisville's right there. Tons mm -hmm. of University of Kentucky fans in the area. It, it's a real college basketball hotbed. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, Probably a big reason why I'm such a big college basketball fan, hmm. to be honest with you. Speaking though of that part of the country, what, what do you think of uh, Mike Woodson at Indiana? That was another big. That uh, was going to be move. so. Your, your your next question I, was uh, on the your your very well prepared agenda you sent on was the uh, the most curious to see work like yeah that's that's Mike Woodson at Indiana for me like because. The, the fit you like most is is a very different, you know, conversation than the one that just kind of piques your interest the most. And that's that's what's it because that I mean, that coaching search, obviously, I'm up in Big Ten country. I live in Michigan and I follow Michigan and Michigan State the most in terms of what I write about. Um, like this year, I'm just kind of now doing more national stuff. But that was even here. That's all anyone was talking about was what is Indiana going to do? And that search went all over the place. You know, that was you had the the local uh, folks who cover Indiana hoops, which is just an ecosystem unlike any other. It's just spectacular. It's just amazing. It should be its own like Netflix series. Uh, just convinced to the marrow 
that they were going to get Brad Stevens. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're watching it from afar. And when you're like an asshole like me, I mean, you're just sitting there and you're just shaking your head. You're like, they're not going to get Brad Stevens. <laughs> and, but then they get Mike Woodson in the end. And it was like this immediately kind of, ugh, really? Yes. Mike Woodson. And then gradually over time, everyone has talked themselves into it. And now Mike Woodson is the savior. So what happens next? I want to see the toll it takes on the psyche of the IU faithful. Were you surprised uh, at Archie's relative lack of success there? Yeah, a little bit. Like I thought if I had a bet at the time, being honest, I thought it probably would have worked okay. Um, I wasn't totally sold on him because he had success at Dayton, but he didn't. He wasn't unbelievable. He did not knock it out of the park um, and at a place that you're built to win. You are built to win at Dayton because it's the best program in that league in terms of resources, fans, everything. Um, I was always kind of – I follow the A-10 really close because I went to St. Joe's. I was always kind of like ho-hum on on what he was doing at at Dayton. But going there – I'll put it this way. The last thing I thought that they would do was finish under 300 in the country – in three-point shooting through his entire tenure, which yeah. is basically impossible at Indiana because you can go round up like six dudes in a 20-mile radius of campus and go be a top 100 three-point shooting team in college that's, basketball. That's and he couldn't so even true. do that. That's so true. Uh, <laughs> they just grill him there in Indiana. Uh, I know. Archie was – I think it, it, it did surprise me, I, I think, just how quickly – he eventually was was out of there. Um, his offenses have never been that like aesthetically pleasing. Like I've never thought no. of his offensive approach as inspiring or anything. But I figured getting into the Big Ten and and being able to to recruit nationally and with the draw of Indiana, he would just kind of figure it out or recruit good enough guys to to kind of patch that over. Yeah, and yeah. I mean they haven't had a point guard since Yogi. Yeah. If you're IU basketball, you got to have a point guard, right? Yes. It just doesn't make sense for that place not to have rock star point guards. And they've landed guys that they thought were going to be the deal and just didn't work out. Um, but like, so the lack of guard play, the lack of shooting, and then that place just eats you too. Like if you don't yeah. get on, I remember his first year, they went up to Breslin. They weren't good at all. They were on a losing streak and like people were already questioning, is Archie the guy? Like he's been on the job for four months and everyone's already like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know about this guy, you know? Um, and so they win at Michigan state, obviously a huge deal. I'm down like in the bowels of the arena and I'm following him through this like hallway, whatever. And he, he turns to somebody who's kind of in his little mini entourage and he goes, you know, tell, tell the board, to you know what suck on that or something like that you know (laughs) yeah ask the board what they think about that he's he's like all no first year coach should be talking about the board of trustees like that Uh, is if it's already that level of like the feedback you're getting oh i don't know what chance you stand man and he was already just bombarded and i don't think he was ever really able to kind of build himself back up oh god that's exactly right (laughs) it's uh Indiana. So I spent two years in Bloomington at grad school. And I I think what makes Indiana so unique is 
one, like Bob Knight casts such a shadow over that entire program. Anybody like that's who you're automatically compared to. And unlike, say, uh, North Carolina or Duke or, or these marquee programs that bring in lottery picks year after year, w- what was really, sp- I-, I guess, special or, uh, again, unique about IU and Bob Knight was, by and large, he, he won national championships without like the best players in the country. And, and mm-hmm. a credit to you know his, his motion offense and the way he made them play team basketball and, and on the defensive end. And so I think all these coaches, I, I saw it with Tom Crean, who I, you know, Tom Crean doesn't do anything for me, but Archie especially too. <laughs> it's like, not only do you have to win, but you, you have to like win playing a certain way and sharing the ball and great offense. And I, I think it just is a really hard situation, but there's just this, this long shadow cast by Bob Knight that I don't know when it's ever going to go away. You'll, uh, for what it's worth, you might be able to get Crean on the pod in March. Yeah. If you're, in, if you're interested, I'm pretty sure he'd be he's not gonna be doing anything. I think he's yeah. going to be available to do that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I I can certainly see how Bob Knight would speak to you. You guys have very very similar vibes. It's uh. <laughs> yes. Well, let me ask you this: as someone who was there, what's the balance that you? Because I've always tried to figure this out. Because I'm fascinated by Indiana. It, it fascinates me the same way Michigan football fascinates me. Of this, like, we do it this way. Yeah. Regardless of era, right? And like, that's why this Mike Woodson thing is he's had Bob Knight at practice this in the preseason, which like Knight obviously hasn't been around. And he goes and he, he brings in a guy like Dane Fife as an assistant who's an old kind of like IU guy, right? A Bob Knight disciple, blah, blah, blah. Um, the whole like attachment to this ideal that is totally narrative based, it's, it's all like in their mind. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. If that's what they should be doing, or if that's what they, if they should just try to disassociate because they've tried to disassociate and it hasn't worked. So exactly. maybe maybe it, yeah. maybe this is the answer. I know. It definitely is a thing, at least from my perspective. I, I think, of course, they would like to win. They would win any way they could take it. But I, yeah. I, I think more than anything, they want to win with like student athletes and upperclassmen and student athletes well this it just feels a little antiquated right like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a you know a a blocker motion offense and we're gonna hit mid-range jumpers like I, i honest to god i feel like that's kind of what basketball fans of indiana like that's what they want to see and they want long twos yeah and it brings you back to why they <laughs> salivate, salivate, salivate over Brad Stevens. Because you look at his Butler mm-hmm. teams, and they played that way, right? Mm-hmm. They, they had mm-hmm. under-recruited kids. Um, they worked their asses off. They played together. I, <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're like star-crossed. <laughs> I, I don't think Indiana will truly be satisfied until if and when Brad Stevens comes and coaches the Hoosiers. 1,000%. And the salt in the wound of the whole, like, he's going to stay with the Celtics, and then he changed his job anyway and, oh, and, is, and is now not coaching. Oof. Yeah. Just, just yeah. brutal. Uh, who's under the most pressure? New coach? I think it's I think it's Chris Beard. I think it's Chris Beard. I mean, he's 
everyone knew he was eventually going to go to Texas, land there one way or another, whether it was Shaka leaving or Shaka getting fired. Um, that thing was drawn up so far in advance. He considers himself a Texas guy, and he went all in when when they came calling and turned his back, for lack of a better term, on Texas Tech. And now he's making five mil a year to be a basketball coach at Texas. I mean, think about this. 10 or 11 years ago, he was coaching Juco ball. It's amazing. Seven years ago, I think he was like early 40s, like 40 or 41. He was the head coach at Angelo State. Yeah. And now he's making $5 million a year as the head coach at Texas and is like one of the five biggest names in the game, basically. Like it. I don't think it's a coincidence he went all in on the transfer portal and got dudes this year to go win immediately. Like there's no time for program building. You got to go win and win now. So if you want to talk about pressure, um, you know, that fan base is only paying half attention to basketball. So if you're not winning, then you're failing. <laughs> like they don't care about like, well, they're developing these sophomores. No, 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 no. There's not, there's, there's none of that. I, I agree with that. I'm curious though how you would juxtapose that against, say, Hubert Davis at North Carolina. Cause I, I would think mm-hmm. because it's such a basketball school and it they've had so much success, I would almost think he would be under more pressure than Chris Beard. But I, I understand why you said Beard That's as well. Fair. Different That's circumstances, fair. I guess. Yeah, I mean because Hubert Davis is the ex-player and longtime number two for Roy, I feel like he might get a little bit more slack um, initially. I don't know. I mean, it's still North Carolina basketball. They're going to expect to be like competing to play in April, right? Um, that's fair. I, I think when I look at Beard, just because of how crazy his road was, I, I still can't get past this idea of like, is he really this genius coach yeah. or did this all just, is this just the craziest set of dominoes to ever fall? And now he's 5 million for a basketball coach is like, yeah. I don't, it is insane. That is in, he makes more than Tom Izzo. He makes more than some of the biggest names in the game. And like people forget when Beard left Little Rock in like 2016 or 17, he first accepted the UNLV job. And he was going there to replace, I believe, Dave Rice. And Beard was like coming off an NCAA tournament win at Purdue. Um, And then Tubby Smith leaves Texas Tech, goes to Memphis. Suddenly that job comes open a week or two after Beard takes the UNLV job. Texas Tech has the balls to call a guy who just took a job and said, hey, do you want to come here instead? (laughs) He ditches UNLV. He goes to Texas Tech. He turns that into a powerhouse. And now he's the head coach of Texas. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, if you want to talk about pressure, I look at Mark Adams as much as I would, even maybe more so than a Hubert Davis. Because, like, Mark Adams, who replaces Beard at Texas Tech, he was his assistant coach there. He's a first-time power conference coach, and he's 65 years old. He was the head coach of like a bunch of random Texas small colleges for like all through the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s. He was at like West Texas A&M and Wayland Baptist, like Howard College or something. Um, 
And then he landed on Beardstaff at Little Rock. He installed that that no middle defense that they run. Basically, they just force everyone to the sidelines, force everyone to the baselines. That's that's Mark Adams. That that's stuff that they ran at Texas Tech. Now Beard goes to Texas, and they just promoted Mark Adams, who's he's sixty five years old. He's the head first time like significant head coach. Yeah, maybe maybe a placeholder for a few years, and hopefully. Yeah. Wait for Beard to get fired at Texas. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said that, not me. Um, let's see. Uh, who, who are your, speaking of coaches, who are your favorite, like, I, I don't know, top five if you have top five, but but who are some of your favorite coaches right now and, and why? I, I always love, I, I think, you know, the, the coaches in college basketball play such a large part in the systems and just the identity mm. of programs. I, I'm curious who uh, you count among your favorite. Yeah, I would I, I would look at it as if I'm the AD at Duke or Carolina or a place like that, right? If I get if I get one phone call and I'm about to go take a swing, I'm starting with Jay Wright. Um, I think that's not rocket science. No, I don't. I mean, he, yeah, you're a Philly guy. Is he? <laughs> is, I mean, is he is he going to be at Villanova his whole career? Do you think he'll ever leave? I mean, the Sixers have already taken a run at him. That yeah. he wasn't interested in that. Every college job that's come open, they've at least kicked the tires, whether publicly or through like the back channels. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's going to coach there until he doesn't feel like coaching anymore. Uh, like the biggest, the most credit you can give to Jay is self awareness, and that he's at a place that he's getting paid as. You know, he's getting paid his worth in terms of the national picture, although Chris Beard might be making more than him. But um, he doesn't have to do anything. Like, he's already – he's done, he's made in the shade, man. Like, he can just go yeah. coach there as long as he wants. He's never going to get fired. He doesn't have to worry about anything. The culture's there. Like, why you would want to go and try to reestablish that at Kansas or Duke? Like, why to go win national – national championship he's already won two he won two in three years at one point Mm -hmm. at nova so i think he's pretty good on that um i don't think he's going anywhere and i think he's genuine i think he's a legit guy and um you know i grew up in this big time saint joe's family and you know saint joe's and villanova are separated by six miles once upon a time they were rivals and now you know villanova's just gone into another stratosphere and my, my poor hawks are Trying to catch up. <laughs> so that's that's the exact dynamic being a Miami, Ohio fan. It, like the, ah. the biggest games of the year used to be against Dayton and Xavier, you know, mm-hmm. uh, true equal footing. And now it's like, yeah, they're they're in a different they're they're playing a different game, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. But Jay, I mean, Jay's incredible and the stuff they run is is great. They're as well coached as anyone. Um all right, well, he, like everything from in-game coaching to everything, he's he checks every box. So I'd go Jay. But he Mark says, Few, "Yeah, I'm not coming." Who's? Yeah, I was gonna say, who are your next calls? Mark Few. I mean, I think he's a standard name. It's Mark Few, Tony Bennett, and then at this point, you gotta like Scott Drew. Yeah. What the building job he did at Baylor is just outrageous. What he inherited. Um, prob- I, the, pro- the, probably the worst situation yeah. ever. I was gonna say probably doesn't get the credit he deserves for just how much of a a literal dumpster fire that program was. Yeah. I, I and I don't I'm not sure why it maybe it's because it's Baylor. Maybe it's because like his personality is just a little 
unique. Is that the right word? I don't know. You know, he just kind of comes off a little, he's just, he's an interesting guy. Sure. Um, but I don't think you can find five guys who've done anything more impressive than what he's done. Right. And now I'm excluding K from this and I'm excluding Cal because like they're who they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the last name that I would say though, is probably Kelvin Sampson and people forget what he did at Oklahoma like he took Oklahoma to the Final Four, and then he turned around and he took Houston to the Final Four. Those are two programs that I—it's pretty damn good, man. And the defense that they run, the players he produces, how tough they play, his his in-game coaching's at a high level. Um, his guys play his style. I think like one of the biggest things, for, especially for college game, is these coaches who can identify those middling recruits who absolutely fit everything that they do. And like Samson's like the epitome of that. So he's someone I think who doesn't get enough credit for just how tremendous of a coach he is. Which bringing back to what we were talking about it, like he was really, he was going to be really good at Indiana. He was going to be really good. And I know he wasn't that popular because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't doing it the Indiana way, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I think that just speaks to, the, the weirdness maybe of uh, of Bloomington. Yeah. Uh, I'm also eliminating the two coaches that I cover the most out of this too. Like you can make a very real case. I mean, Tom Izzo has been to what, eight or nine final fours. Yeah. Uh, and Juwan Howard has answered every call like imaginable in terms of what he has done at Michigan. It's just, he's knocked everything out of the box and every question that was posed about like, Oh, well he's an NBA guy. He's every Every stigma that comes with that move, he's completely rebuffed. Which I have to admit, he's I, far surpassed my expectations. I, I think when when he was first announced, my initial reaction was like, "Oh yeah, I, I, I get it, former former player." Um, what what has been? You've seen it up close and personal. What what has been the key to his success? Is it his staff, the way he's able to recruit, his in game coaching, uh, all of it? What, I think what it's are you him. most imp- okay? I think it's him. It's who it's who he is. It's the way that he communicates with with his players and that they respond to who he is and what he knows. His institutional knowledge on the game of basketball is absurd. He played 19 years in the NBA and you can run through all the coaches that he played for. Um, he had something I counted it up once he had like 230 former NBA teammates. You know, like he played for eight different teams yeah. he, and he, and then at the end, right, he goes through Miami and he kind of, he turns himself into this like post player in Miami, in that system with Riley, with Spolstra, arguably the best kind of incubator in, yeah. in the game, right? You'd say, you, everyone, I think everyone would say either Miami or San Antonio. Yeah. So that's, that's where Juwan came through at the end. And he was basically like a player coach on those LeBron, D-Wade, Bosch teams. And he really like kind of facilitated everything between the coaching staff and these stars. Like nobody's as respected as him. He he brought it, he brings a true NBA offense to the college game and is able to teach it to his players. And he can recruit because he's Juwan. <laughs> freaking Howard, right? And like what kid yeah. is not taking that call? Right. So he's bringing in all they've got like four all-Americans this year in their recruiting class and uh 
Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing that helped is he also inherited a great situation from Beeline where he had an awesome point guard in Xavier Simpson and was able to kind of hit the ground running as opposed to – like maybe it would have been a little different for a guy going from the NBA to college if he had a full rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to build a brand-new staff. I'm going to build a brand-new roster. Like he walked in with a team that could win, and and he just took off. Well, I want to get back into Michigan, but last question kind of on on the whole coaching uh, discussion. Any speculation who might be on a hot seat? Any uh, Of course, mm. we know Coach K, this is his last year. Anybody you think might retire? Uh, you know, this is all just opinion or, or allegedly. Sure, sure, nothing, sure. Nothing concrete. I mean, uh, I'll say I don't think Jim Beheim is going to coach for one minute past his own son's playing time <laughs> okay. at Syracuse. So... If this is the last year for Buddy and Jimmy Beheim, I think uh, I think Jim Beheim might be walking right out behind them, uh, and I don't even I don't even think he goes to the post game press conference. <laughs> I think I think they're going to be waiting in the press conference room. He's a no show, and they're going to look out the window at the Carrier Dome, and his parking spot's going to be empty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, whether that's this year or whether that's next year, because I think both have a COVID year. So they could conceivably play another season. Yeah. Um, but I think he goes when they're when they're done. Uh, and then I don't I don't know who gets that job. The conversation probably starts with Mike Hopkins and Jerry McNamara. But um, we'll see. Uh, Bob Huggins is almost seventy. Oh my god! Yeah, he's been a Division That's... One coach since nineteen eighty four at Akron. I mean, so, not to be morbid, but he's got a ton of miles on that on that body too. You know, I, I'm in all ways possible. Yeah. I, I'm shocked he's he's still able to do it. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a is it this year, is it next year type situation when it comes to hugs. Um I don't know. I Darius Nichols probably is the the first name that comes to mind at West Virginia in terms of who replaces him. Mm-hmm. If he does well at Radford this year, he would he was a, an assistant at Florida for a while. Um, but he's a former West Virginia player. And if if he goes and wins at Radford, it's his first year as a head coach. I think he would be in decent position there. Um, Mike Bray at Notre Dame, I think that's kind of met its end point. Uh, whether it's him walking away, whether it's them asking him to walk away, whether it's a cordial or not, I think they're getting toward the end on that one. Yeah. And who who gets that job? I have no idea. No idea. Yeah, that's a weird program. Been a little surprised Notre Dame's been been down. You know, I, I, I feel like everybody I talk to, I, I think Mike Bray is genuinely one of the, the better people in college basketball. Uh, sure. Would, would love to see him do well, but I, I agree with you. It feels like how much how much longer are they going to put up with, especially in ACC play, not being very competitive. Right, right. And then, like, I mean, beyond that, beyond – there's always questions around Mark Turgeon, whether he decides to take a job when it comes open, like if – what the hell's his name at Kansas State? Former Illinois coach. Oh, Why Weber. Yeah, Bruce Weber. If Bruce Weber, if he gets fired at Kansas State, um, which is certainly plausible, I could certainly see Mark Turgeon being an obvious fit for Kansas State. That would then open Maryland, and then there'd be a whole yeah. right domino effect from there. Um, I'll tell you what. Look, whenever Popovich walks away from San Antonio, Bill Self is getting that call. That's like everyone. You would want to talk about speculation. That's what pe- people have been talking about that for really years now. Yeah. Yeah, that it, when Pops goes from San Antonio, the working theory in a lot of basketball circles is that is that self gets the call 
self jumps from Kansas because it's a good obvious out and you get away from the situations circling Kansas and then Kansas would open and now that they would obviously go hire some big time dude and um, beyond that, like beyond just coaches who get fired just because they get fired. Um, the only other like old timer really left because Lon Kruger's done and, and Kay is done and Roy is done. Um, you know, is those 66. I don't think that's imminent though. I, I don't think that's coming anytime immediately. I wouldn't be surprised if he hits 70 yeah. in a job. He's just a lunatic and he, he knows himself. You know, I talked about self-awareness earlier. Is is over the last two weeks in retirement. So he's I, I don't he's he's getting to that point. Like I think when Bayheim goes right, when Hugs goes, Izzo's going to be kind of the last. Yeah, you're of right. That era, yeah. and then the conversation's going to center on him and what happens next. Yeah, and I don't and I honest to God, I don't know if he coaches two more years or ten more years. And no one at Michigan State's telling him to do a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, sorry to interrupt. Randy here again. I want to thank our other sponsor today, and that is Roback. Roback Activewear. They've been gaining traction big time, and I got to say, we love the fit and feel of their gear. The quality is top-notch. I want to talk about three products specifically. First, their performance polos fit so much better than your typical boxy polos. They have it all. Fire prints, classic stripes, simple solids, four-way stretch material, and wrinkle-free collars that never lose their shape. Combine all of it, and that is why Roback polos are unmatched. Second, Roback's performance quarter zips are a game-changer when it comes to fall golf. They're so soft, you'll be throwing darts all day in these. Perfect for a crisp early morning 18, a run around the block, a day in the office, or even a night out. They are the definition of versatile. And then finally, Roback's performance hoodies are legitimately the most comfortable hoodies we've worn on the course. Hands down, the softest, stretchiest hoodies in golf. These things are just asking to be worn out on the links. You can get your hands on all of these. Go to Roback.com. Use the code TRAP. New code this week, TRAP, T-R-A-P, over at Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's Roback.com, R-H-O. B-A-C-K. Get 20% off all polos, quarter zips, hoodies, and tees with the code TRAP. They just dropped a bunch of new inventory that will have you looking good and feeling fresh. Go check them out at Roback.com. Thank them for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now back to the episode. Well, let's turn let's turn to players. You know, one, one of the things about college basketball is the, traditionally there's always great turnover. Um, the Athletic, I saw you guys put out your preseason All-American teams uh, mm-hmm. on the first team. Drew Timmy, who was, I think, the unanimous player of the year. You guys had voted for Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, Johnny yes. Johnny Juzang from UCLA. Kofi Cockburn, Illinois. Paolo Banchero, a Ballyhooed freshman at Duke. And then Max, how do you pronounce his last name? Oral Roberts. Is it Abmus? Abmus, yeah. I, that's what I say. That B always throws me for a loop. It just... I, I could be wrong, but I I can hit you with two mispronunciations you just dropped. Which oh, please. Is okay. Yes, please. So it's it's Kofi Coburn, okay. not Cockburn. Okay. <laughs> that's a totally different that's, that's an set ailment. of circumstances. Yeah. And, and it, Paolo Bancaro. Bancaro. So the H, there's no CH in Bancaro. Gotcha. Well. So if anyone is mad about me not knowing how to pronounce Max's name, I at least bring something to the table. I always get so in my own head with names and 
pronunciations. It it is one of my great fears too. And and yeah, I usually just hesitate and double clutch. And anyway, my question for you is. <laughs> With your individual voting, any changes you would make to that first team uh, preseason All-American team? My five best college basketball players right now, in terms of not potential guys who can go and dominate a game yeah. right now. Not, right? not pro I'm potential, st- not down if the I'm road. St- yeah, I don't care about yeah. any of that. If I'm starting a team and I want to go win my conference, right, uh, would be Timmy, Bancaro, Coburn, Hunter Dickinson, who's a center at Michigan. Um, and then, man, I get I get hung up on the last one over and over and over again. But I am probably most inclined to say Colin Gillespie from Villanova, just in terms of like a great college basketball player who will give you whatever it takes this season, right, to go win. Like that guy's going to go run through walls and make – hugely important baskets so like he's just a great college basketball player and it, this conversation i think it's gillespie um but nba scouts obviously would not really care about any of that right right uh <laughs> what do you make of the freshman class this year how would how would you compare it to recent fresh freshman classes i think it's way way better than some of the recent ones at least more interesting yeah um between chet holmgren uh, between uh, Imani Bates and Jalen Duran at uh, at Memphis, um, we already mentioned Paulo Bancaro at Duke, but they're like the ne- even like that next level is fascinating characters from from Ty Ty Washington at, at Kentucky, um, Kennedy Chandler at Texas, JD Davison at Alabama. If you have not watched JD Davison play basketball watch Alabama and like I he he is if I if I'm flipping through at any point I see Alabama playing I'm tuning in to watch JV Davidson he's just this like crazy explosive guy he can just jump dunk fly over anybody he's awesome um up here like we're really lucky I mean Michigan's got Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate who are two probable probable lottery picks and then up the road at Michigan State uh, Max Christie is going to be an elite shooter. He might be the best shooter of all the freshmen in the country. Him and him in Houston. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. And you, because of COVID and because of the NIL rules, they've retained more older talent in college basketball yes. than we have recently. And now you get this injection of freshmen. Like we were talking about this on a national call with some of the writers uh, for the Athletic. And we've got like a whole damn army of them, and it's just like there are so many stories where in other years it's like you've got your four guys yeah you know you've got zion and this guy and this guy and this guy and and then what you know and this year it's just like all over the place patrick baldwin i didn't even mention him right which is Kid at milwaukee uh, it's, speaking of i <laughs> nothing i love more than when a mid-major you know snags a, a true five-star recruit of course he's playing for his father up there yeah uh, yeah but we'll be yeah we'll be very curious definitely a reason i'd you know, check out UW Milwaukee on, you know, ESPN plus or whatever. Uh, (laughs) Let me, there's, there's a ton I want to ask you about, but let me ask you about the Memphis uh, program. And I know, I I believe you, you've written about Penny Hardaway and uh, talked, what do you make of him as a coach, a program builder? Um, You know, are, are you optimistic about what he's been able to do there and, 
is he going to be able to turn success, recruiting success, into real on-court mm-hmm. success? Do you think? I'm curious more than anything because, like, they've brought in these, they brought in legit guys, and when you look at his tenure at Memphis so far, I feel like the the, the casual fan would associate, oh, it's Penny Hardaway, so they probably have this electric offense, and they probably you know, play so-so defense, whatever. It's Memphis, right? And it's the exact opposite where they've had top five defenses in the country, like in terms of defensive efficiency, defensive uh, effective field goal percentage, like they've been elite defensive teams under him. And and the offense has been the, the problem. It's been shooting, it's been turnovers. Um, so a lot's been going on there. And now you get this team, which is this kind of like wild collision of stars where you have a, the returners from an NIT championships team, which includes like Landers Nolly, who was a big time player. He was going to be like a conference preseason all league guy, right? Um, he transferred from Virginia Tech because he wanted more shots, and then he went to Memphis. And uh, so you have a bunch of returnees from that team, and now you bring in, on top of what was already a good recruiting class, you bring in Imani. And Jalen Duran, who, you know, both between them and, and those around them are trying to become the f- number one picks in their respective draft classes. So Duran in 2022, Imani 2023 because of his age. Um, and you just mix this all together. And now you add Larry Brown as a first-year assistant coach. Now you bring in Rasheed Wallace as a first-year assistant coach. And it's just like, I, I, I want to move. Now, I already told my bosses, I was like, I will get an Airbnb in Memphis <laughs> and I will just ride it out, man, because there's no more interesting story. Was, what, a, what, a, what a beautiful confluence of people. Uh, we, we need a hard knocks, you know, Memphis basketball is, is what we need. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, God bless the people in that athletic department who are trying to, like, get their hands around any of this because there is just stuff happening in all different directions. And, uh, like so, when I went down, there, I went down for three or four days, um, and and went to an exhibition game, and then sat and talked to Penny for like I don't know thirty forty minutes, whatever. And there is just this like general anxiety um, of everyone being like, "Man, this could be amazing. This could also be such a wild <laughs> catastrophe that there's no." turning back from it and like at the center of it is penny and like for those who don't know like penny is the patron saint of memphis and it's like it is this amazing weird southern city that has this like deep history of basketball and music and it's just a total outlier in that part of the world it's just surrounded by sec football and then there's memphis doing its thing and they love Penny more than anybody. And it's like the question I asked him at the end of the thing, I was like, hey, man, when you took the job, you're kind of risking legacy. Because if this ends, if it's bloody in the end, that it's going to be weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's like, well, I have a lot of self-confidence to win. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But if you don't, <laughs> it's it's going to be really weird, man, because like everyone loves you here. And if they have to fire you, mm-hmm. that's going to be uncomfortable for everybody. And, you know, he didn't, in fairness, he didn't have an answer because that wasn't a question. That was a statement. But um, he, I, I think they are as 
they're certainly as talented as and most of the top 15 teams in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a few that are better, but they're right there in terms of their pieces. But how do they how do they corral it? And like Imani Bates is uh, this kind of like tornado of talent where and for it's the folks, he's, he's 17 is is that correct 17 years old yes yeah, 17. 17 years old he was on the cover of sports illustrate when he was 14 or 15 he was called the next kevin durant yeah and i don't know if he's the next kevin durant guys but he he could be really good mm-hmm. but in terms of the perception around him it's kind of an impossible thing to live up to and he's just been in this hot box of attention for so long and is this is his first time outside of his comfort zone outside of his kind of base camp, whatever you want to call it. Right. And Penny's probably the best guy for him to be working with because Penny's done all this. He was the biggest thing in the world yeah. when he was a high school senior at, at a uh, treadwell high school in Memphis. And then he went to the hometown school was the biggest thing in the world. Then he gets draft by, drafted by Orlando goes there and is suddenly outside of his comfort zone for the first time in his life. So like a point I made to Penny was your rookie year at Orlando is more comparable to what Imani's doing now. And we, we kind of agreed on that, you know, because yeah. between the, the money that you know is coming and all these things, there's just a lot of layers to all of this stuff. And then, of course, in the middle of it, you get Rasheed Wallace. <laughs> just and Larry Brown. The best. And, and, and Larry. Rasheed Wallace in his intro press conference says it would be an injustice to the gods of basketball if I don't share my knowledge of the game with these young men in what was the single greatest quote ever delivered maybe in college basketball. Is is is, uh, is Zebo still hanging around in Memphis? Could we get him on staff maybe? I, I'm trying to think who else we can pull in here to, uh, to augment the staff. He's kicking around somewhere. Well, Rashid is staying in a house or a condo or an apartment or something. But he's, I think, I believe, I hope it's right because I reported it. He's he's living with Bonzi Wells, who <laughs> is coaching a Division II school also in Memphis. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, how's that not on A&E or whatever? Yeah. These, <laughs> these yeah. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> uh, speaking of a guy that has Kevin Durant, comparisons or at least a skill set what what do you think of chet holmgren have you watched him play at all yet this year uh what are, what are your expectations for him i mean i watched the the texas game um I, I think in terms of his ceiling in terms of his talent he is as ad, as good as advertised um but he's also on a team with drew timmy andrew nemard Rasir bolton other five-star kids other top 50 recruits like in the win over Texas, he took three shots in 23 minutes. So Chet could very well be the first or second pick or third pick, whatever, in the draft and finish fifth or sixth on this team in usage, which is outrageous, but is also kind of the product of how he's, he's a very weird unicorn in the college, in the college game. Like he probably fits the NBA game a little bit better than, and the college game because um, there's a 30 game schedule is so much different than an 82 game rookie year. You know what I mean? And, and what is Chet in one year of college basketball? I don't know. He's going to have games where people just completely lose their minds because he's going to do 
He's going to catch a ball at half court in one hand, dribble it with his right hand, put it behind his back into his left, and get to the basket in three steps and, like, finger roll it into the basket. And everyone's going to be like, oh. Okay, so he scored nine points in this game, but he's going to be the number two overall pick in the draft, right? Like, I think that's going to be Chet. Like, I didn't put him on my All-American team. I I, I didn't name him. I didn't pick him as my preseason freshman All-American. Like, I would would even put a J.D. Davidson maybe ahead of him in in that conversation just because production-wise, Gonzaga isn't going to need him to take – he's not going to be taken – 15 shots a game. It's just not going to happen. Like Drew Timmy is going to be just getting buckets all day. Yeah. He's going to like average 26, you know, for the best team in the country. So, um, but, but Chet is another one that's like Gonzaga is worth watching mm-hmm. because there are years where Gonzaga is really good because it's really good. They're really good this year because they have like, they have NBA, they have an NBA guy who you want to watch in addition to like, great college players who are going to like, like Timmy's going to have his his number retired at Gonzaga. You know what I mean? And like, that's a cool combination. That's good for the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, one thing I was going to ask you about Alabama is uh, Nate Oates. I love Nate Oates. I I saw a lot of him when he was at Buffalo. Is, Is that, do you think he'll be at Alabama for a while? Is that a good spot for him considering how, crazy football school it is does that take some of the pressure off or do you think you know there's there's one more step up for him eventually I think it's a really good question because he says all the right things and like I had to do a preseason preview on Alabama and I kind of started like going down that road a little bit and he just kind of put up the blockade immediately and is like there's no reason Alabama can't be just as good of a basketball school as it is a football school and I was like well there's actually a few reasons but whatever (laughs) um the but he can win there and they're going to, they're going to put the resources behind him. Like the money's going to be there just because they have all of it. And there's, there's something to be said for just having a successful basketball program at a place like that. And knowing that they're just going to keep extending you every three years because the athletic director doesn't feel like having to make a basketball hire and getting it wrong. That then puts their job in jeopardy. And if you don't get, if you're the AD at Alabama, and you get fired for any reason other than football, you're an idiot, right? Yeah, so so, if, God, I'm the so AD, if I'm the AD at Alabama and I have a basketball coach who's going to the tournament every year, not even paying attention, yeah, man. Yeah. Just go do it as long as you want to do it. So You know who's employing you know, that right now is Clemson. Brad, there you go. Brad Brunel has been there for for years and years. He's he's a pretty good coach. He's, you know, they're they're not a great program, but it's like Man, we're just paying attention to football over here. You you just, you know, don't embarrass us over over on this side. Yes. And he barely gets to the tournament every year. Yeah. But everyone likes him. He hasn't gotten popped for any crazy cheating scandal. So just Exactly. Just do your thing, Brad. Thanks, man. Just yeah. keep showing up and the checks will come on time. Um but the the bigger question is probably if the, you know, the bigger schools come calling, right? Like Alabama can always match it. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll be able to match the money if he's winning. So the question is really what's in Nate Oates's mind if he wants to be at a place where basketball is the king and he can be the hot shit, right? If he can be the guy, because you're never going to be the guy to Alabama. Right. So it's an ego thing. It's totally an ego thing. Um, and we'll see. I mean, 
Nate Oates has climbed so fast. He was a high school coach here in Michigan like eight years ago. Then he went to Buffalo. Now he's at Alabama. And now he's a guy who people are talking about like, if you're Sarah, so I mentioned Syracuse earlier, right? Bayheim goes. If your options, if Mike Hopkins at Washington says no, and your options are, okay, Jerry McNamara or one of these kind of Bayheim disciples, or you call Nate Oates, who's already doing it at Alabama, has already coached in upstate New York. Yeah. And and you're Syracuse and you want to say, hey man, you come here, you are, you're you're the guy. And we'll put all the money in the world behind it because we don't care about football because they suck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't so that I think it's a great question you ask, and it, it all really boils down to whatever's going on in in his in his head. And he is I'll I'll put it this way, even though he's a Midwest guy. Certain parts of his constitution and disposition are well suited for Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, I'm trying to think what that means. I don't really know what that means. But uh, well, no, he struck me as, and maybe Michigan State has a totally internal succession plan when when Izzo does leave. But he's a guy with his, you know, he coached high school basketball in Detroit for a while. Mm-hmm. Would strike me as a guy that would fit at Michigan State as well. Yeah, the, he will fit at Michigan State if Tom Izzo decides that he fits at Michigan okay. State because yeah. I, I find it very hard to believe that anyone other than Tom Izzo is deciding who's going to replace Tom Izzo. And they're going to be in a weird spot when that time comes. Um, you know, he has some long-term, long-time assistants um, who are, in terms of waiting their turn, right? Yeah. Stevens wait his turn. So if he gets that job, or if that job, whenever the time comes, it's going to be hard for anyone to tell, say no. Um, and you know, Dane Fife, who was the longest time assistant for Izzo, he just recently went with Woodson at Indiana. So now he's kind of down there. And um, Or do they go and try to hire someone outside of the outside the family? I do not see that happening. Yeah, that that's a good point. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk teams. What uh, mm. I feel like top 10 might be – do you have a top 10 right now? Um, do we have a top five maybe? Who, who, are, who are your best teams right now, pre-Thanksgiving? I like the top five group of like – in no particular order, Gonzaga, UCLA, Villanova, Michigan, and I'll say Kansas. Okay. Kansas-Duke, right? Like, yeah. They both won their Champions Classic game, so you got to kind of have both of them there. Um, I think that's fair. And then there's maybe that like next second level of your Purdue, Baylor, Texas, uh, a Memphis, and Illinois. Like Illinois, when Kofi comes back, could be a world beater. If Andre Corbello maybe goes from like 107 miles an hour to like 65. Uh, Oregon's in that conversation. I watched Florida this weekend. I really like Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not, they're like in the twenties in the AP poll, but I think they've got a pretty high ceiling. So, um, I think there's a ton of parody at the top. And I don't know if we say that every year or if we say that we say that every year, I'm not sure, but it's definitely the case this year. And I think there's true parody on down because of the COVID, the, the extra eligibility. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think this year could be a banner year for the mid-majors. 
at least getting into the tournament, doing damage in the tournament, because you have a lot of mid-majors that have some six-year guys even, uh, a lot of mm-hmm. fifth-year guys, a lot of four-year guys in the program. And I, I'm I'm excited for that aspect as well. But the same is said for the power conference teams. Exactly. They're old. Exactly. Teams are old all over the place. So like, just as the same benefits that these mid-majors have had, the, the high-majors have had, the same. Yeah. And you got some teams that have just done this like plug and play action where they're just getting old dudes and just popping them into the middle of their lineups. And where you're like, hey, if on paper that looks really good, I know we'll see if it fits. And yeah, there's going to be programs that go sideways because that's just always the case. But uh, your point, your point remains though. Like it's old. College basketball is old this year. Mm-hmm. Like Illinois has, I think, like seven guys over 22, which is fun because that's the way it used to be. And that's mm-hmm. that's where you get really good games, even throughout the non-conference, right? I I don't know. I I'm thinking back to even when I was growing up in the mid to, to late '90s. It was it was upperclassmen dominated by and large. You know, it was starting to yeah. to swing. But I, I and like it's so funny the the amount of guys that you can just pull out like these ridiculous like little points of fact in terms of measuring their age, like yeah. Bryce Aiken is in his sixth year of college basketball. And I was like, Bryce Aiken, like, man, I remember when like Michigan kicked the tires on him as a recruit. And I looked it up and like, he was a freshman at Harvard the same year. uh, Xavier Simpson was a freshman (laughs) at Michigan. Like Xavier Simpson's like an older guy now. Like, yeah, he's a couple years into like chasing the G league thing or, or whatever. And there's just all of these, I was watching Wisconsin last night, and I, I tweeted something about Brad Davison, and people are like, how? How is Brad Davison still at? Now, he's only in his fifth year, but he's just played a million minutes there, you know? So, yeah. Um, the, yeah. A lot of st- – Steve Logan was always the guy. I God, it seemed like he was at UC for eight years. I don't know if you remember Steve <laughs> Logan, the point guard. I was like, he's back? There's no way he can have another year of eligibility. The key for UC is to go back to the Kenyon Martin uniforms, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we in agreement there? Of course, of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, (laughs) All right, let me ask you about conferences. Top, Uh what's the best conference in college basketball this year, top to bottom? If if we want to measure it by percentage of teams that get an NCAA bid, I think that's the best way to go about things when you want to measure best leagues. I think you go... Big 10, Big 12, SEC, and you're probably in a toss-up between the ACC and the Big East. ACC's been weird. It's really kind of dropped a little bit after all those years of just total dominance. But, like, the Big 12 is sneaky, really, really good. And the SEC has just had this – like, I, we mentioned all those freshmen before, the guys from Tennessee, Kentucky um, – Alabama, like there's a ton of talent in the SEC. And I think they've jumped the ACC in terms of just kind of that overall like base level, right? The All-Americans you're bringing in, the five stars you're bringing in, the legit pro prospects. Right now the SEC is probably a step above the ACC. That hurts my heart. Begrudgingly, I'm going to have to watch more SEC basketball this year. I I don't know what it is. Just don't watch Missouri. They lost to University of Missouri, Kansas City last night. So. And it's like I don't want to watch Auburn. <laughs> I don't want to watch Auburn. I, I, I've seen enough Bruce Pearl basketball. I don't. I don't need to see more of that. 
Everyone has seen enough Bruce Pearl basketball, but he still keeps bringing in <laughs> dudes. Just yeah, dudes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you like, even when you get into the middle of the pack, like I said, how much I like Florida, like they're they're second tier SEC team going into this year. Um, just if you break them down right by groups of three and four, like they're they're not. I don't think they're in that that top group. Like LSU's got. Guy, LSU was in the Sweet 16 last year. Lost a couple guys, but Will Wade just I know. somehow he's another guy. I don't. Ima- I, I, I can't imagine how I he know. keeps doing this, but he keeps getting guys. So he, he's another. I, I God, I feel like the SEC is just littered with great talent that's not coached all that well. And I think, fair or not, that's that's how I perceive LSU. It's what I've always thought about Auburn teams. I do like Florida. I think Tennessee. Is is very good. I, I do enjoy watching them. Mm-hmm. Nate Oates, like I said, going to Alabama is a big help to the SEC basketball. I think he's a good coach. Don't don't sleep on Eric Musselman at Arkansas. I, yes, the way that I mean, you know, that's the beauty of bringing in a coach who has like his style of play that everyone else has to has to respond to. Yeah, and, and they play their way and they do it as well as they can. And everyone else, you know, it's we're going to do this. You try to stop it. You know, I mean, it's like a football philosophy and some of the, like these teams that are just dedicated to their way of playing. Like, that's how I look at Arkansas, the way that they play. Um, you know, I love that. There's the coaches that are able to, like, dictate their game plan by the style that they're about to run into, I, I think takes a high level of coaching acumen. But there's something to be said for, like, this is what we do. Yeah, and we are going to absolutely run it into the ground. Yeah, and you keep if you keep up, good for you. <laughs> if you don't, we're going to beat your ass. You know, and uh, that's that's why Arkansas is fun to watch. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, I'll also say I generally don't enjoy watching <laughs> Coach Cal teams, like unless they have some truly breathtaking talent. Mm-hmm. I, I find them to be, by and large, undercoached. Yeah, the offense can be a little bit stagnant. They are good to watch defensively. Though. Yeah, yeah, they play deep. They do play day. Let's let's give a little love to the mid majors, uh, near and dear to my heart. Talking my language. Any any I I have some, but any that jump off the page to keep an eye on uh, as the season progresses. Any that you expect to be top of the mind I would, talked about come come March. I would give you like a couple if you see them on right FS1 at nine o'clock on a Thursday, and you see. If you see Louisiana Tech pop up, wow. watch some Louisiana Tech. Wow. They got a they got a they got a big boy named Kenneth Lofton Jr. 6'7, 275. And all of it. He is all of 275. <laughs> <laughs> uh and and he plays that way. He's got that like just kind of thick boy style to him, you know what I mean? And uses his body and is really entertaining to watch. And they're gonna win some games. Uh so in terms of high value, high entertainment, and I would love to see – no one will talk about Louisiana Tech all year. They'll find a bid to the NCAA tournament, and at 2.30 on the Thursday of the NCAA tournament, Louisiana Tech will play on TBS, and America will see Kenneth Lofton Jr. for the first time, and everyone's going to lose their minds. Okay? There's a prediction. I love that. Um, God, that gets me excited. I love that. <laughs> Uh, New Mexico State is a, is another one. New Mexico State's had success, and they've got some dudes. But then what was already a decent lineup, they bring in this cat, Teddy Allen, from Nebraska, who I'm a Big Ten guy, so I've watched me some Teddy Allen. 
And Teddy Allen is, I imagine he's you, Randy, as a player, where it does not matter what else is going on in the court. My man is getting his shots up. He is getting his buckets. He is going to prove that he is the best scorer on the court, even if they're not falling. But those shots are going up. So you get add, – add Teddy Allen and his just oozing machismo. Add him to already a decent New Mexico State team. It's either going to be – it's like Memphis. It's either going to be a beautiful uh, thing to see or just a hilarious disaster. That's uh, the coach there, Chris – is it Chris – Jans. Yeah. Jans. That's an yeah. interesting story. Longtime Greg Marshall assistant. Yep. Uh, one year. Got out of there before the doors closed. Yep. Baby. Well, Good call. went to Bowling Green for one year, <laughs> won 20 games for a Bowling Green program that was not doing anything. I believe mm-hmm. had, well, definitely had some off, off court issues left. And now it's like, yeah, winning over 75% of his games at New Mexico State. Can coach basketball. I, I wonder. He can coach. I, I wonder if he's <laughs> what's going on outside of outside of the gym. But hey, New Mexico State's a great place to just kind of be under the radar, I guess. Uh, and who do you like? I like. I love the West Coast Conference. So obviously okay. Gonzaga at the top. We've talked about them, but well, that's not a mid-major, no, not a so mid major. I think St. Mary's. <laughs> if, the rule is Randy, yeah. What's the rule? If you charter for every road game, that's a great rule. You're not a mid major. What does St. Mary's do? Do you know? St. Mary's probably charters. Okay, so we'll kick them out. Uh, San Francisco, probably not. I'm guessing they probably take some buses. I, I, admittedly, I don't know much about the team. I just know on like Kempom right now, they're three and zero and ranked in the top thirty-five. I, I had to look up their coach, Todd Golden, who played at St. Mary's, mm-hmm. was an assistant. Oh God, where was he an assistant at? He was an assistant somewhere big, and has taken over there at at San Francisco, the the Dons, right, the home of Bill Russell. So he's a bit. He's a big metrics guy. He's a big okay. numbers guy. He's a big like, you know, what's. What's the what's the shit with the NFL coaches where it's like, hey, if it's third and four and you're in the third quarter, like down to those levels yeah. of like, should I go for it? Or should I, yeah, yeah. Call. He's a guy who's deep, 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 deep in the numbers. So probably tons of threes, everything at the basket, nothing in between. Oh, if I had to guess, they ain't they ain't taking any mid range. Yeah, at Sam at the Dons, the Dons are not taking mid range. But I would say anytime West what, home of Bill Russell, exactly West Coast basketball, right. West Coast conference, I should say. Uh, I'm tuning in. Nothing better than a late week night uh, getting a random, you know, it could be like BYU. Same. It's just a fun basketball league. So mm-hmm. I think San Francisco's one to keep an eye on. Uh, near and dear to my heart, I think the MAC is going to be, I think the top of the MAC is going to be very competitive. Ohio has a very good team. Jeff Bowles is, is recruiting really well to Ohio. They had a big win at Belmont already. Another mid-major very good one and uh i wanted to ask you about buffalo because i think buffalo is another program that they have a ton of talent buffalo is legit they played at michigan yeah i was going to ask you what what your impressions were i'm sure you saw a lot of them with that michigan game no i i left there and i i said or tweeted that i i really don't care who they come up on in the bracket if buffalo's there taking them blind take them blind doesn't matter uh they'll be a 13 seed whatever they are legit. They got they got high major guys. 
uh, Gene Finn. Yes. J-E-E-T-H-A-N Williams. Williams. Yep. He's just, he's, yeah, he's a 6'5 bucket and uh, he's great. He is, he's tremendous to watch. Uh, he, and he gave it to Michigan. They did not have an answer. So, yeah, that, you're right. I mean, the Mac's always, I, I think that, that, always pretty, pretty darn good, man. It's, it's, it's a decent level of basketball. I've always wondered if they could just, how much of it is perception versus reality in terms of these leagues that just kind of steady get two, three bids, your A10s, your Mountain Wests, things like that. Like, what would a Mac have to do to be able to get like Buffalo, Ohio, and Toledo? Right. You know, so you're you're at large, and then and then two, or you're automatic, and then two at large. It's it's such a hard step to take, and it's a lot of it's I think is probably winning games in the tournament when you get there. Yeah, which the Mac is, you know, Buffalo won mm-hmm. a game. Ohio uh, has won. I think what's keeping the conference as a whole from being a, a multi-bid league is just the budgets. They, they don't have the budget to honestly just buy enough home games. Uh, I, yeah. That's one thing yeah. the A-10 can do. Um, Missouri Valley, I, I think they, they just – a little bit more resources where you're not playing as many road games, certainly not as many buy games on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think if the Mac's ever going to get a second team, I, I love the top of the Mac. I think the Mac East specifically with Buffalo, Ohio, Kent and Akron are always scrappy. I, Miami's got their best team in over a decade this year. I, I'm excited for Mac basketball. And then the other one I was going to ask you about is St. Bonaventure uh, from the eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're ranked right now. I, I think probably the same deal, just a really experienced roster. Uh, do you know much about them? Oh, yeah. I mean uh... – you know, Mark Schmidt is I don't I don't know why more programs have not come calling for him. I thought Pitt should have taken a run at him when they hired Jeff Capable. Um Penn State made a great hire when they brought in Micah Shrewsbury this year, but when that job came open, when they got rid of Jim Ferry, I thought Mark Schmidt would have been the obvious answer. Um BC, he's a BC grad. Like why BC didn't hire him and instead brought in a dude from College of Charleston? I have no idea. But here he is, like Mark Schmidt's just still at Bonaventure and he's going to go win 24 games this year and he's going to win 13 games in the A-10 and go to the NCAA tournament and go and beat the seventh best team from the Big Ten. And people are going to be like, man, Mark Schmidt can really coach. And that's it's going to be the same conversation again this time next year probably. So that's that's Bonaventure. They bring, they bring a ton back. And there's always that kind of like constant conversation of when you run it back – how like what is a reasonable mm-hmm. belief in terms of how much of a step forward you you can take because there's that like man they bring everyone back from a team that won 17 games you know and you're like oh okay well that team so those guys won 17 games what's magically going to happen that they're going to go win 25 well you know Bonaventure last year was 16 and 5 with all the COVID stuff and won the Atlanta tournament and, and got in so that's what's coming back so like even if that's the if they're the same team, they're still really damn good, yeah. right? So I think that's the way to kind of look at, at Bonaventure. If they're not the best team in the A-10 this year, um, kind of Richmond, Davidson are, are, are right in in that that mix. They're, they're close behind. Um, I love the A-10. I, I, this is how I – that's what I grew up on. I grew up on like old Lou Rowe, oh. Dana Dingle – 
Travieso, UMass teams, and uh, Yinka Dare. Oh, God. At GW. Yeah, now you're speaking my language. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of the world. Wait, I came Edgar from. Padilla, uh, Travieso, they were the backcourt on those Marcus Camby teams, I believe, right? That's yeah. right. That's right. Lou Rowe came right before that Marcus Camby. Right. And then after that, I think it was when Cal left, Camby graduated and they brought in Tyrone Weeks and Bruiser Flint was yeah. the coach. And for a year, they kept it going and then they dropped off terribly and they fired Bruiser. They hired Steve Lapis and it still didn't get much better. And we haven't heard from UMass since, but. The- that's another story. The A10 is a <laughs> the A10 is a wonderful basketball league. Uh, I, I, it it is. It's it's honestly the A10, the West Coast Conference, like wonderful, high level, if a little mid major uh, college basketball leagues. I, I that's what I love about the sport. You you know you know I was at St. Joe's in 04, right? No, was that the, I was going to say the Jameer. The <laughs> was that the that Jameer my- year? Yeah, that was my junior year in college. No, I, so I was on campus for that. And it was, uh, I ended up having to go to school for five and a half years in part because that year. You didn't get anything done. Kind of came and went. So That was a fun, who is Delante and Jameer? Delante, Jameer, a guy named Dwayne Jones was the center okay. for that team. Uh, he got a cup of coffee in the league. Pat Carroll was just a murder, murderous three-point shooter. I don't know if that's a word. Um, Not related to Matt Carroll, is he? Yeah, I think – yeah, they are. Are they brothers? Notre Dame? Yeah. Yeah, Hatboro Horsham High School. Yeah. Okay. Um, So – and then they had a guy off the bench, a guy named Tyrone Barley, who I think might currently be doing time. But they they were really good. But the A-10 back then was just – that was nasty. That was like those – like Dustin Halanga was at (laughs) at Richmond – and uh, who was the dude at Dayton at that time? Like Raymond Marshall and Keith Wallachowski. Oh, Nobody yeah. is listening to this, by the way, right? There's no way anyone is listening Would that to have this been, uh, I had <laughs> Brian Brian Roberts. He might have been a little after that at Dayton. They had a really good point guard. Um, Xavier would have had really good teams all through that time. That would have been like the Lionel Chalmers, uh, Romain Sato. This was post-David West. Yeah. So it was like Romain Sato, Lionel Chalmers. Um, yeah, they were uh, – league was league was legit. I think Pops Mensa Bonsu was still at G-Dubs. <laughs> oh, God. I, I got another hour. Let's just talk, you know, late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s basketball players. And that, now we've hit the sweet spot. The one other mid-major. I'll tell you what, that, that is its own podcast. And if you, uh, Tron, whoever wants to do that, uh, yeah, I can, I'll can. i give you as much time as we you might need. have to. Yeah, we won't. Deep uh, research on we that. We might one. have to revisit that. Yeah. I always say, you know, like <laughs> Stump the Schwab, the, the old ESPN show, right? Yeah. Where if you made it to like the finals, you essentially got to pick your area of expertise and then they would ask you questions about it. I always said the, Hell the, yeah. uh, like the 1996 to 1999 Miami Ohio men's basketball would be what I would pick if I was on Stump the Schwab. <laughs> Is there a way like the, so the greatest episode you ever did was the Wire episode, right? Oh yeah, with with Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Just just went with the characters, the the, the the golfers as Wire characters. I and I've tried. I've I've approached a couple of people and trying to replicate it on the college basketball side of doing college basketball coaches 
as wired Ooh, characters. That would be interesting. Which I think would be incredible. Yeah. Um, if there's some way you could figure out a <laughs> a cross-section of maybe TV show characters of some kind or, or, or some kind of proxy for, for 80s, 90s college oh. basketball players. It's... I mean, I, I will... Randy, I, I will dedicate a comical amount of time to that. It's 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 a true passion for me. Like I'd love to spend fifteen minutes talking about how good Kerry Kittles was at Villanova. You know, just like people. Yeah, I grew up him just murdering my whole yes, murdering. Uh, just just names that are, you know, getting lost to to the collective psyche. Um, like Lou Lou Bullock at Michigan was hands down my favorite basketball player until Wally Zerbiak came along, came along. But uh, the, that, that mid nineties Michigan team was another one where God, I could, you know, Maceo Baston tractor trailer, uh, Dugan Fife. Uh, it's, it's so good. Brendan, I I'm sure. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. We should maybe wrap this up. <laughs> there was one other team that I wanted to ask you about. That's Loyola Chicago. Uh, one, yeah. I was surprised Porter Mosier left for Oklahoma. I thought that was a little bit of a weird fit. I wanted to ask you about that. And then two, this sure. Drew Valentin guy who's I think 29 years old stepping into those shoes mm. with a with a really experienced roster. I, I'm curious what you think of Loyola Chicago. All right. Uh let's let's start with Oklahoma. So Lon Kruger out, Moser in. I mean, that's I think I think Porter Moser is a very good coach. Um the job he did at Loyola, incredible. That is a massive jump in, turn, in every regard possible. Not just level, but like going from Loyola, Chicago, this is a little Jesuit school in Chicago, right? To Oklahoma is just wild. So it's a football school. It's going through a conference change from Big 12 to the SEC. Totally different culture, totally different everything. Like Porter probably – he knows what he's getting into. He had a couple cups of coffee at Texas A&M in the 90s as an assistant coach. So, like, he's not oblivious. Right. But still, you know, this is a guy who went – he was a head coach at Arkansas Little Rock and then Illinois State. He got fired at Illinois State, got picked up by Rick Majerus at St. Louis. Like, these are the schools he's been at, right? Arkansas Little Rock, Illinois State, St. Louis. Then he goes to Loyola, Chicago. Now he's the head coach at Oklahoma. Um Everything from recruiting to dealing with donors to dealing with boosters to all of it. It's just a really weird – I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm not saying it's not going to go well. It's a really weird fit, though, in in a lot of ways. But uh, he can coach. He can coach. He can identify talent. Um, so – We'll see. Um, I'm not totally sold. I want it. I want it to I, work. I want it to work. I do though. too. It 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 reeks a little of like Shaka going to Texas for me. I you it's know fair. even at Loyola Chicago, it, it, he was there ten years and he had one 21 yeah. season in his first six. And Oklahoma's mm-hmm. just not going to be that patient. You know he he's he's got to right. he's got to get it fired up right from the start. And I I just think. At least the way he did it at Loyola Chicago, you gotta have patience. And, and it's almost like you, you gotta invest for a couple years and then see it start to pay off. Um, I, I'm just I'm not sure that's gonna play there. Um, but like mm-hmm. you, I, I God, I loved watching his his defenses the last 
the last three, four years. Uh, those were yeah. exceptionally coached teams. I, I would put them right there with like Tony Bennett at Virginia among like, mm-hmm. just like, oh my God, that's such a well-coached team. So, so I know, and on that, like, I like the Valentine hire, yeah. right? I, I like the idea of continuity yeah. in what they're doing there. Um, and Drew's a young guy, like you said, he's his brother's Denzel Valentine. I figured that was the case. Played, yeah, the rock star at Michigan State. And now, uh, is he still with the Bulls? I have no idea. But um, but he he's going to recruit, right? He's going to recruit Chicago. He's going to recruit the state of Michigan. And you do those two things, you're going to get enough guys to keep that program um, going and, and getting bodies in there and running the same stuff, keeping the familiarity. And anything you can do to kind of bottle this moment that Loyola has going from that final four to last year's success beating Illinois. Um, I, I, you do it mm-hmm. like bringing in an outsider. I don't think would have made any sense. And, and Valentine's a young up and coming coach. People were talking about him three years ago as a guy who was kind of going to climb quickly. So I say like, what, what are they going to, what's, what, what better is Loyola going to do? Right. Right. Yeah. So I say I'd run the risk of if this doesn't work out, I wouldn't say that was a silly thing to try to do. You know what I mean? And it's not like it's just some aging assistant who you're like, well, we hope that he learned how to do it the way the other guy did. You know what I mean? It's not that it'll be a different program, but the same in a good way. So, and everyone, I mean, everyone likes Drew. So, um, I think it makes a ton of sense. Well, that's cool. That's I. I can't wait to watch him. I, if nothing else, like you said, he'll bring so much energy to the program, and he'll absolutely give it his his best shot. I, I think airing on that side. I didn't know you were as big of a. I didn't know you were as big of a proponent of Jesuit basketball as you appear to be. Uh, yeah, but you're, you're talking Zags. You're talking except Loyola. For, except for you're Xavier. talking San Francisco. Yeah, except for Xavier. Wow. Yeah, Xavier can. <laughs> I hope they lose every game they play, but <laughs> uh, besides that, well, Brendan, this is God. I kid you not. So excited. This makes me even more excited for college basketball season. Uh, hopefully everybody can watch a lot of games this weekend, next week over Thanksgiving. And then uh, I, I, I truly think this will be one of the better college seasons that we've experienced in a while. Totally agree. And I, I'm usually one that probably goes the other way a little bit, and it's just like, oh, you know, I, I look for like look for the bad in things, and uh, I I I think this is going to be a lot of number one ranked teams, right? A lot of programs thinking that they have a chance to win the whole damn thing. Yep. You're going to get a surprise Final Four team. Like I I, I think it has all the makings. There's not going to be a runaway player of the. Oh, Timmy might be a runaway player of the year, but there's going to be like a ton of who's first team All American. There's just so much talent age young um i think you hit the nail on the head uh that it has the makings for a year we all i think desperately want and need after the last two years into that uh, awesome. uh follow him on twitter at bf quinn check him out on the athletic subscribe to the athletic they do wonderful work over there his podcast is the beat on uh, the athletics podcast network Brennan, thank you so much for uh, chatting basketball with me. I, I love your knowledge and passion, and uh, we got to do this again sometime. My man, I appreciate it, Randy. Thank you, sir.
why I kept that strap. I remember nights. I didn't remember nights. I damn near went crazy. I had to get it right. Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. The absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who me?